I'd like to start by doing some introductions. So the purpose of this evening's talk is um, on how benefits and value fit within the portfolio, and it's going to be mostly questions. If the participants would like to introduce yourself, starting with John Thorpe. Uh, I'm John Thorpe. I've been uh, in, in the information technology and business-related business for close to 60 years now. My focus for the last 30 more years has been on value, and that's led me to the P3M space, the Portfolio Program Management, uh, Project Management space. I've got a book called The Information Paradox, which really outlined that, and I've been pushing that for a long time, and I think we've still got a long way to go. I'm a retired program director. I've worked in many countries around the world in major programs for a period of 15 years. And um, I am chair of the Thought Leadership Working Group within the Benefits and Value SIG. Hi, I'm Tim Carroll, uh, recently uh, retired. I've run uh, change programs and projects in uh, IT construction and uh, financial services, and also implemented uh, uh, project program and portfolio management disciplines. Hi, I'm Sarah Earle. I'm the head of the Centre of Excellence for Project and Program Management at University College London. Um, I've been at UCL for about 13 years now. Um, I started out uh, lecturing in project and program management and general management, and then I moved across to um, professional services a few years ago. Um, and I also co-lead a, um, a quite a large project and program management community of practice um, for the university. 35 years in construction. Uh, I'm a management consultant, just currently working as a, uh, as a planner. Uh, and uh, I've got two degrees in project management. Um, and I've been with Benefits SIG now for, for about two or three years. I'm co-chair along with you go, uh, and I'm more, uh, more involved with value management. Good burning question that we had that prompted this conversation is why aren't organizations and in particular the public sector more successful in allocating investment and achieving value? I did a bit of research on this topic um, uh, before this discussion and I found an interesting report by McKinsey which has recently been published and it looks at the reason the transformation initiatives by organizations that are trying to implement a transformative um, strategy don't, don't succeed. And they found three particular themes in that. One was a lack of inspirational vision and a lack of high CEO aspiration in particular for what they could achieve through a transformation portfolio. They commented on a lack of organizational skills and in particular lack of key capabilities to be able to implement strategic change. And shortcuts in process being taken, particularly change management infrastructure and the building of capabilities that it takes to achieve transformation. So if we look at why portfolios really don't always achieve their goals, I think there are three quite useful clues there. I also found a public accounts committee report published last year by the UK government. And um, they, were, they commented that there is a consistent lack of clarity on scope and objectives on, on the outset of programs and an excessive focus on the cost and the uh, timescales, and therefore less focus on outcomes and benefits. And I think we've probably seen that sometimes. Um, and Deloitte, who contributed to the Public Accounts Committee uh, review, commented on the sporadic focus on benefits, that this only occurred at certain occasions, at stage gates, through approval, 
And as a result, they were kind of forgotten when they weren't already being worked on. Um, the other thing I found was um, there's some work done on thought leadership by PMI uh, that goes back to 2015. And they worked in collaboration with the Boston Consulting Group and with Deloitte. And they found the things that were missing from their perspective was that the C-suite, the uh, chief executive, chief information officer, chief operating officer, and so on, needs to do more of the right things and fewer of the wrong things. Um, and in particular, um, focusing on portfolio management, notably selection of programs. They had deficiencies in program termination and resourcing um, were common. So the organizations overstretched themselves in trying to do things they couldn't properly resource. And um, corporate politics impedes portfolio management, which plays mm -hmm. to what our research found last year about human factors in terms of expert overconfidence, um, uh, bias, and the influence of the power relationship among players. I think that's, that's probably the high level view of why we aren't getting more out of portfolios. From people's own experience in your own organizations or organizations you know of, how, how uh, true does that ring? Does that immediately make you say, oh, now I understand why this was happening or even, um, yes, that fits entirely with, with what I've observed as well. I think that um, there's some different spins on it, but it, it still comes down, I think, to the fact that at the senior level, we're not putting enough attention at the front end in terms of deciding what we should be investing in. <clears throat> we're not getting involved adequately in it to define those, what we're trying to achieve and how we would measure it. And we don't stay engaged adequately to know that it's, that it, that it's performing well and, and when to pivot if it isn't. It, it's, it's, it's a short discussion takes place, we decide it's going to do, and we move on to something else. And, and that sets a context for failure for anything below. I mean, certainly in my experience, um, uh, yeah, just to follow on from Kevin's points, uh, it does seem case that um, the approaches that we have for portfolio or governance or benefits management don't seem to be used uh, in a particularly structured or consistent way across the organisation. And um, uh, I'm talking in, in my recent working experience of a senior management C-suite uh, who I had a lot of regard for. <laughs> there were a lot of very smart people. They were, they were not fools. Uh, um, they were in the main driven by wanting to do the right thing for the organization um, and for their shareholders. So, so, so they're people that want to do the right thing and yet still the uptake from the top level of, uh, of, of some of the tools and techniques that we would think were effective um, um, for, for project portfolio or benefits management or managing investment portfolios. They, they just don't seem to be um, uh, taken up. Um, and that could be, of course, that you know we've done something wrong in making those techniques <laughs> or we've done something wrong in presenting them. Um, but it could also, as Kevin alludes, uh, be because there are a series of other factors at play here um, as, to, uh, as, as to why the executives are not minded to adopt some of these approaches. I mean, I've seen it from, from different levels, uh, you know, around private and public. Um, I've seen certain programmes that have worked quite well, and you've had, you know, the focus from cradle to grave of, of actually getting the 360 that, that's, 
you know that says that you have uh, achieved what your your feasibility set out. But then you have got your other project level, uh, like Tim was saying, that you know they haven't got the granularity that goes up to the top uh, of actually getting the communication uh, correct uh, in in the portfolio. So you know they are missing the links of communication through the chain. Really, I think that I think that's the key thing that you know that, that portfolio and program level they actually do get the right message uh, to the projects. We have tools that might contribute to helping make better decisions um, that we know exist, but we're then going to talk about why they aren't used. I don't think we need new tools. I think we have the tools we need. Uh, the tools we need, though, are not positioned in the right place and they're not being used by the right people. And uh, we, we need to better present those tools to the audience that need them. And, and I think uh, the challenge we have here is that, it, is that P3M, even the wording of this question and the names of the organizations that own it is seen as, seen as project tools. And, and project is only one piece of them. You know, project is a project tool, program is a business tool and, and portfolio is an executive board tool. And they have to work together, but they're all seen as project tools. And uh, I think that part of the problem here is we've got to, we've got to speak to the audience in the language they understand. And I think we try to, if you look at how APM and, P, and, and PMI present this stuff, it's all, it looks very complicated. And, and, and behind the scenes, you could argue it is complicated, but in, in the case of portfolio management, if you had, and I won't go into a long thing now, if you had an enterprise portfolio management office, which some organizations do, they do the complicated stuff. But the executive level, all they have to do is be clear about their strategy, be clear about the outcomes they're trying to get out of something, and, and take the time to be clear about the metrics they need to they want to look at to see that it's happening and stay and stay involved to the level that that when they're told it isn't happening, they do something about it. And and they don't need to know about all the bits and pieces below it, but we confuse them. And, and I think I don't think we need new tools. We're just polishing the stuff we've got. So the stuff we've got isn't being presented in the right way to be used by the people who have to use it. What tools are you talking about? Saying well, I'm talking them? at a high level about portfolio program and project management. I'm, I'm talking at the next level down about, for example, the four R's, which are very simple and the executives get that. And I'm talking about benefits mapping or value mapping. And, and at the executive level, I can tell you from experience, they get the four R's. It's the start of the conversation. And if you, if you apply value map mapping and benefits mapping at the right level, which is to get the, the clarity of the outcomes and the metrics, you can engage them in that discussion. Remind the us what the four R's are. Are we doing the right things? Are we doing them the right way? Are we doing them well? Are we getting, them, are we getting the benefits? And when I go through that with, with when I go through that with, with executives, or when I, used, I get yes, I think we're doing them the right way. I, we're doing them well. We're doing the right things. So, I think we're we're doing them the right way. I think we're doing them well. I better go back to question one when I get to the benefits question. You've got to get them to think at that level, and then they will start to say, "Yeah, I'm not sure we're getting the benefit." I think I think there is a theme about how we portray some of these techniques that can come across as. Um, as, as complex and difficult. Um, I, I, I got fed up with senior executives telling me, well, Tim, you just go and sort the rest of that stuff out. You know, because, but that's their attitude because they, that's complex stuff is for us to do. Uh, but, but 
But I do, so I do think there is a portrayal issue. I mean, for example, if you look at portfolio management, really, it's, it's at its heart, it's quite a simple concept. You're trying to balance risk and reward across a strategic portfolio, and you're trying to align things with your strategic vision. And you don't actually need many tools um, beyond some charts and NPV calculations and some risk assessments. You don't need many tools to have the data to have an informed C-level conversation about that. But if you read some stuff about portfolio management, you would think it was a lot more complicated than that. To um, throw something in there, I think it, when you're talking to senior level um, executives, and as, as John said, they get, they get those four R's questions um, when, when they post them like that. They do understand the value of that. And I think where the tools can be useful, if they can, if the tools that you're using, and they can be relatively simple, but if they can speak to um, what the uh, finance experts are saying and potentially what the legal experts are saying as well, especially if you've got an issue of compliance, then I think that can be really powerful in, in, in joining up that kind of tool, tool usage that, that level of things with those with those four R questions because it tends to be the the, the the finance experts and the legal experts because of their professional standing in these organisations it tends to be those those are the ones that will really make people stand up and, and listen so I think if the tools um, that we're using somehow you don't need to know all the ins and outs of those tools at that level but if they can speak to also what the finance people are saying and what the legal experts are saying I think that can be that can be really useful in kind of getting weight behind the the use of those things as well. One of the themes that I found from, from my reading on this is the idea that it's an adjustment process, that when you've got a portfolio, it, it's, not, it's not something that then is just fixed. So the environment in which you're going to implement the change is itself changing. The potential threats, the risk profile will change. So there's, there's a job to do in tuning the portfolio, which might be, for example, maintaining the scope, delivered in a different way, in order to ensure that the benefits and the outcomes are still relevant and, and timely. And, and I, 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 I think I agree with what you're saying, but I'm thinking about this famous quote from Einstein, that things should be as simple as possible, but not more so. Because um, there's a risk that we spoon feed the board with a few charts that indicate the very things that the PAC report indicated go wrong on public sector projects. So we focus on cost and time, for example, particularly there's a big focus in public sector on managing the budget. And often that's done at the expense of scope or the expense of timing or the expense of the change management. So I just make the comment, yes, they only need to think about it in terms of high level. There's definitely a translation process between the language of business or the language of government and the language of projects and programs. But I don't think we should minimize the amount of work it takes to really actively manage a portfolio. No, and I think we should remind them how much they're paid and that they need to put effort into this. And I think also we, we need to switch the conversation from cost and risk to value. And, and we need to stop talking about projects and whatever, we need to talk about investments. They can understand the four R's, they understand investments. They do understand investment portfolios, for God's sake, they have them. We gotta get them to think about that in this terminology and get them to take ownership of it. And we can't let them off the hook. We, we, can, we, cannot, we can use simple language, but they're, they're on the hook 
you know, to have this strategy, to take the time to, do, to understand the outcomes and the metrics and to make sure there's appropriate oversight and they're involved if there's an issue and they have to react to it. And they don't, that is, that's not the state of the moment. They don't see it as their job. And, and, and I think that we in the, I don't say we, I don't think the project community has done a good job of, of, of I think to some extent we hold on to it because we don't think they do it. Uh, I, I think I told the story either earlier today or when I, when I worked for a retail company, when I asked the IT guys why they didn't talk to the business, they said, well, they don't know what they want. Well, take, we have to take the time. We have to get them to tell us, well, we, well, tell us what they want and help them to understand what they need. Because it's not usually the same thing. Understand and, their world and the challenges and opportunities yes. that that presents. And they're not overly open to doing that. And we don't have, in the project world, we don't have a lot of people with the skills to do that. And uh, we've got to bridge that gap. I agree. Raised in previous discussions is the difficulty of, of reaching the C-suite as project managers. Um, can you elaborate on that difficulty and, and can you talk a little bit about how we get around that? We're doing it on a one-to-one -one basis at the moment. We just need to do it more um, wholesale. I think for um, the start point, of addressing this if we if we believe it's an important problem is to open dialogue because there are stakeholders and um, this is the key element isn't there of our profession that understanding our stakeholders needs should be the start point of, of a change and so i don't think we should lose sight of, of this nugget of, of wisdom um, therefore we need a dialogue with people that are in a corporate leadership position whether that's in the public sector or in the private sector or indeed in the charity sector to understand how they see portfolio management and achieving change and the information they need to do it and I think the start point is to take what they believe they need and look at the best ways in which we can meet that need and reinforce that need so for me it's all about the dialogue and then we've got quite a lot of potential tools to provide insights or concepts, but it's got to start with understanding the need. Uh, but I think the challenge is to move that dialogue beyond the one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, I think we all individually have been able to have these conversations and have had in, on occasion success in getting the attention and the action from the board and executive and doing what needs to be done. But there's no collective way, it seems to be, of doing that. Um, you know, can organizations like APM and PMI don't appear to be particularly successful in doing that. And one of the reasons I think is there's no money in it. <laughs> no, there's yes. a lot of money in selling portfolio management training and, and, pro and program management, whatever training and accreditation, but that doesn't interest the executive and they're not going to pay for that. So we it's need a really to good point, John. And in fact, I was looking at portfolio management training on a search engine search today. And there's precious little out on the market, actually, um, for executives. The training delivered by Axelos, for example, in portfolio management has not been updated since 2011. Yeah. And it's still down in tools and techniques based on the idea that people are logical, that it's down to factors we can identify and rank. And it really ignores the complexity of human relationships and the power structures of business. So I absolutely agree. Um, there's precious little out there and, and we need a way to get to groups of companies and executives, not a one-to-one -one consultation. 
And, and I've asked business schools why they don't do it, and they say there's no demand. So <laughs> the question is, we caught here. The essays don't think they need it, and we know, we think believe yeah. they do. So how can we both generate the demand and respond to that demand, which I think involves getting associated with, or if, if we can't get the APMs and the PMIs of the world to step up to that, and I think that's questionable. Um, then, well, then we need to start picking. Can we can we work through business schools or, or one or two business schools to get this moving? Yeah. yeah, I agree. There are plenty of high-profile examples of major programs in the public sector and to some extent in the private sector that have gone seriously off the rails that ought to be making people question whether their portfolios are supporting the change that these big initiatives are there to do. And yet, and yet there's this whole feeling, I think, over and over again. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of the time we're, we're in a situation where people are promoted according to or they believe they're awarded for their talent rather than their um, understanding and, and hard work. And if they're rewarded for their talent, then by going for training, they're accepting that maybe it wasn't talent, maybe anybody else could do it if they were trained correctly. So they avoid going for training. It's an interesting aspect about human psychology is that we attribute success to our talent and failure to factors outside our control. Yes. We grossly overestimate our own skills and underestimate what a huge role chance plays and therefore try to find ways to manage the chance events that are bound to occur in delivering the future. I mean, there's some literature I've read, that's, or recent literature, says that actually we're underestimating the, the, the executive and board's ability to understand this is complex, but they just don't know how to deal with it, and they're afraid to say they don't know how to deal with it, so they're, they're bluffing on, you know. <laughs> yes, yes. And a lot of the board have reached that position through uh, hands-on doing at various levels, and don't necessarily, don't want to stray out into areas where they're less confident. So well, they're saying, great, I know how to run a pro project. I know how to run a, at best, I might know how to run a program. And therefore I'm going to concentrate on the bits that I understand so that I can show I'm wise, rather than stepping out into the bits that I've never done before, like portfolio that may turn out to be really easy to manage. We think they're really easy to manage. We've just described that there are fairly few simple tools to do it. But it just seems there seems to be some sort of a challenge and it's working out where that challenge lies. What are the obstacles to doing it right? I think that's it's it's I think that's a bit of it. They they they're they're paid a lot of money and they think they're very bright and, and they don't want to admit they need help. Um, and, and they will do that individually on a personal basis with consultants and whatever, but they won't do it organizationally or in a broader sense that we need to have. Yeah. I think, I mean, when I think to boards, I think there's general, what I read, that there's, very, there's very limited digital knowledge in board, at the board level in, in the world we're living in. There's very little understanding of the new digital world. So I think the boards are, we don't have the right constitution of boards in many cases. I agree. I, th I think the the um, project management's a bit like driving. Everyone thinks they can do it, and uh, no one likes to admit they can't. Uh, and you you get that a lot from from senior executives. But but I you could I could challenge and say, well, actually, 
quite a few senior executives or board members get there without actually engaging very directly in a project management process. They might sponsor something on their way up the chain, um, but they often won't be into the guts of it and have an innate feeling for it. Um, but when you get to become a CEO or a CFO, um, your whole job is about engineering change. Uh, you know, you're not put there by the shareholders uh, to keep things ticking over. You're, you're there to transform, to energize. To, so, so, to, so it, I mean, maybe there is more of an opportunity there than we are accepting that you've got a bunch of C-level executives who are, who are having to create change um, and um, having to make effective investment decision, decisions. So I, I, I don't think they are, you know, may, maybe again, that's an area where we haven't been strong enough in portraying what we have. I think, I think we need, I mean, we're, one of the things we're trying to do is create a forum to get some of, an executive forum. We're not, we, we're not just telling them something, we get their feedback. I think we're trying to second guess here in many ways. And so I think the need for creating a forum isn't simply so that we can tell them what they need to be doing. It's for us to listen to them <laughs> about how they see the problem, yeah. bring those together. And, and that's what yeah. we're lacking. We, we don't have an opportunity to do that. Get to them. We're see, we've seen quite a lot of change. We've seen a lot of change in the last year. We've seen a certain amount of change change in the last few years. Do we see any trends that are happening that we could leverage if we time them right um, to get to these people en masse and to start talking about the, the kind of change in attitude that we think is necessary? It's different in different sectors, uh, you go. Um, you know, I mean, in construction, I think, you know, for, for years, there's been the value, there's been, there's been the benefits, uh, you know, all the way through the portfolio. Um, but I know that talking at the moment, it's more about strategic, but I think the communication needs to be through, you know, all, all the way through down to the projects. And I think it's from a stakeholder point of view, it needs to be everybody instead of just maybe the, uh, you know, the CEOs that need to be involved to actually, you know, get out there what, what's, you know, what's actually needed, if you like. I can think of a couple of other areas, Hugo, that, that are things developing in the bigger business world that one might latch onto. I mean, one would be corporate governance. Uh, so, so corporate governance has been a huge topic, if you think in the UK context, since the Cadbury report in about 1992. So, so there's a huge trend in, in correct governance. And, um, and governance of the investment portfolio should maybe be portrayed as more of a part of that uh, than of something tacked on the side of the business. And I guess the other area might be the huge attention to a more analytical and mathematical approach to risk appetite in companies these days, uh, where they are being forced to, um, by market pressures, uh, and to far better articulate their appetite for risk and how they're managing their profile of risk within that. And there again, you know, strategic investment programs are huge risk factors. So I think, I think those are a couple of examples of things, and I'm sure there are more, where, where we might be able to leverage and embed, if you like, 
um, the, the change agenda? Yeah, I think I think there's I think there's more discussion about value too these days than there has been. I'm not sure it's understood, mm. but there is more focus on value. I think the triple bottom line is something that is becoming a little more visible and, and that's something we could tweak into. And certainly if you just look at like what's happening, well, I think it's Exxon, there's some shareholder activism now <laughs> on the climate change thing. And so we're seeing shareholders now starting to move on issues. It's not this one, but I mean, we're starting to see some active engagement of shareholders saying this isn't going the right way, you know? So yeah. those, are, those are levers we can try and think about. But, but for, for any of those levers, we need a forum. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We need to capitalize on what's out there and, and thinking about what you're saying about shareholder activism, what the shareholders seem to be saying is we are less concerned with the next three months worth of share price and more concerned with the next 10 years worth of share price. Yeah. Um, and the, the movement amongst executives has tended to be shorter and shorter term, which doesn't take into account value created, it takes into account uh, how many changes have you initiated. You know, I think one of the things yeah. we have to push mm. is that we understand the need for short term results. And, and we also understand that things are changing rapidly. So you need to do that. But you still have to hold some longer term vision <laughs> that, that you're adapting as this is changing. But at the moment, they're just focusing on the short term with no longer term vision. Uh, and I think that's another thing that has to get built. Um, I know Kevin made this point in previous discussions that, that as, as human beings, we're sort of we're wired to focus on the short term. Um, but I think um, coming back to John's point about, um, about speaking to senior executives and understanding um, what they, what's important to them and what they see as value, if we can um, sort of get them thinking in that, in that, in that more visionary way about what the, what the long-term value is they want to achieve, um, then I think that that could be kind of a, a, a way to bridge that gap. Um, but I think ar arguably now um, you could say that organisations shouldn't exist to create stuff um, that the world doesn't need. So there could be a, a, a corporate social responsibility angle here as well. Um, so um, thinking about um, senior executives understanding that um, organisations should exist for the for the greater good and that the 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 uh, benefits they're trying to achieve should focus on on more community social and, uh, and environmental um aspects um i think that could be again it's lever leveraging uh, a change in society and, and the way that 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 that's, um people are viewing things now um i think that could be um that could be again a, a way to um a way to bridge that gap between the short-term thinking of what do we need to achieve in the next in terms of shareholder um value and profit or whatever in the next three to six months or the next year and actually in the long term what do we really want this organization to be doing in terms of its role in in the wider world i know that sounds that sounds very ambitious and very very visionary on my part but you know maybe that's that's what we need to be pushing and i think and, and now again coming back to a trend and um, that, that we could leverage 
we live in this this age of uh, age of information age of big data and decisions we know you know we see it in the news every day decisions that were made 5 10 15 years ago are coming back to haunt people about the actual damage they've caused and the the long term damage and what are we doing in terms of our future generations what's that going to mean i mean you know there's a there's a famous one beginning with a b that i won't i won't mention in the last <laughs> last couple of years but um but yeah what you know what are we doing how are we protecting our future generations how are we protecting our communities and our societies and what decisions are we making today that actually are going to be bad news for us five or ten years down the line does that involve finding a way to educate or to help the public understand the benefits of projects as well as the executives are we creating an enormous extra burden which is the shareholders and the public need to also understand management of portfolios. I think that would be a challenge. I think that we could discuss it, but I think the public's attention span is very limited. Um, I think they should, but I'm not sure they do. But I want to come back to the organization. We keep talking about organization. The, one of the huge problems we have here is we're, we're dealing with an industrial age organization mindset in the digital age. So we, we, we're trying to work how, how we make the organization do something different. The first thing we've got to do is blow up the organization. <laughs> It, we need to, we need to fundamentally rethink our organisational structures for this type of thing too. So that's another conversation that has to take place. And what is and so? The, and that changes in many ways the role of the executive and the board, and it, and it, it questions the role of managers, and it changes how how and it shifts decision making quite, quite often to a lower point. So make the key decisions, make make important strategic decisions at the top, but let the other decisions be made by the people who are doing the work. And that's a big shift that I think has to occur.